0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Happy Balls McWednesday to each and every one of you. Right. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew. You can find me on Twitter at JCameronShow. And uh, it's, uh, well, that much closer. That much closer until we get to uh, some bona fide Florida State football with the uh, spring starting uh, real soon and some good things to uh, kind of wet the whistle. Set the table. Just want to get that out there. I'll touch on Florida State's loss to Jacksonville. Oh, my God, Matt Millar. <laughs> He's got to be scared.
0: 3-2. to well, is not that 7 out of 9 for Jacksonville?
1: They're on a bit of a run. A bit of a run. It's, it used to be this uh, imagined run. Uh, now it's a very real thing <laughs> with, with them. Uh, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I'm not overly concerned. Another great pitching performance for Florida State. That's good news. Uh, but, they, but they do fall. Um. No, but rather, uh Tom, that uh, I'm I'm getting pumped up because uh, we're about to put some requests in here real soon, and I think uh, we have an opportunity to talk to a player this week. It looks like uh, we're moving in that direction. Um I don't want to jinx it just yet, but I think we're going to have uh, one of the newer members of the Knowles uh, joining us on the program. And then from there, I think going into next week, uh, opportunities abound for us to talk to uh, perhaps uh, Tokars, the new quarterback's coach. We'll talk to him, I hope. Putting a request in for that and some other guys as well. Maybe Adam Fuller. Talk about his defense uh, with a lot of challenges ahead of it. Um, given you know Jermaine Johnson, but uh, it's good. the chatter is going to increase here uh, in the next uh, seven to ten days. So that's good. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because it was brought up yesterday during the questioning. It's true. During headlines, uh, what what you know you, you can't think of a more pivotal uh, year for for this staff certainly and and, and in many ways for the program. I mean, there's a lot of things that weigh in the balance here, and I think a lot of people are both excited but on edge because they recognize the magnitude of what we're talking with this, um, with spring on into the fall, and what's the program going to look like? What's the team going to look like? What what are the opportunities afoot, and will they take advantage of that? And also the difficulties of a schedule with um, so many veteran quarterbacks and, and and the need to have your own quarterback step up big time and be a guy that certainly this staff thinks he can be, which is uh, they believe he can be an upper echelon to an elite quarterback in the ACC if they didn't, they wouldn't have chipped in, all in, to the middle of the table there. So that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I'm not—we'll we'll see, right? We'll see. But there's a lot on the line there.
0: Yeah, today the uh, position previews for Florida State continued on Warchant.com. We did the defensive ends, and uh, Austin Cox put that article together. And then Ira and I did a video on that discussing defensive ends. And as we were talking, you discover that you know while there aren't a whole lot of headliner names in the defensive end court, potentially Jared Verse leading the way as the uh, star transfer. Yeah this is a critical one like we think that the defense will be better around the pass rush to make this uh, more multiple maybe offer adam fuller some better opportunities to bring pressures because we like the secondary a little bit better finally this year we like linebacker play a little bit more certainly with tatum bethune coming in and then you have the veterans in the interior of the defensive line but this is a critical spring for a lot of players that are on that defensive line to see if they can actually get reps and snaps or if this coaching staff is going to be looking once again into the transfer portal late spring, early summer to see if you can bring in a mercenary pass rusher that can help you at least in third and obvious. But a lot of reps to be earned at that position group this spring which is another reason why once they
1: start spring practice and next week we get a chance to watch the climb, no video, I know that, no audio, I don't think either. It's just going to be our observations. Yep. Now, again, uh, these are, in essence, hardcore workouts is what they are. So there won't be a ton to glean from that, save for so-and-so's athleticism, uh, maybe size, if somebody's added a lot of muscle weight or you know, whatever that might be. But beyond that, it's it's just you know, hardcore workouts and Uh, relative commitments to them or not right that we'll get a chance to talk about that but that's just the a precursor uh to get you moving towards the start of spring football last night on the diamond the knolls lose to host jacksonville three to two uh florida state had an early lead two to nothing ultimately they they fall in this game three to two to jacksonville uh it's the road opener um you know it's uh it's interesting to me uh you know, I, I, I did see way too many strikeouts last night from the heart of the order. And we're on high alert for that. You know, you didn't have that problem over the weekend. But if you're going to overreact to something in a baseball season early in the year, um, you know, that's that's what you're going to overreact to. That and errors. But they didn't commit errors. Um, and so they were they were really good defensively. Uh, so, so far, the check marks in the boxes that you wanted to see, which is, uh, you know, high-level pitching, in depth of, they got it. You wanted to see him pick up the baseball, they got an opportunity last night, and they did. You wanted to see them make more contact over the weekend, certainly they did. They didn't last night.
0: No, well, I think it was their first seven outs for yeah. all strikeouts. Yeah, so that's, I guess you run into a guy, and he's, ro- he's rolling, and he did. So then there's only seven from there, but you know that's still not that's not great, because that's seven of your next 20. A uh, lot of ground balls in the infield, and you're right, a lot of chances to make errors, and they didn't. I thought Rank made a couple of really nice plays. Really nice plays. One question I have, and some of them you couldn't see because the camera work last night. That was about the Shoddy, worst, baby. That was about the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, but carry on at short. I, there were a couple of plays where I didn't know if it was based on positioning and shifting or not. But if you got ranked crossing second base to make throws at first, we need to be a little bit more aggressive here at short, cutting balls off and, and taking charge. Unless, unless as the cameras weren't able to provide us a full view. Yeah, we had shifts, and, and so therefore you're in odd positions. Uh, but a lot of work for rank. That was uh, what the broadcast was joking about last night. It's strikeouts for the Knolls and ground balls to second base for Jacksonville. I thought Ballmeister came in and got unlucky to give up the inherited run to tie the ball game. A couple of tappers, but then you could tell clearly that that was a start in front of his home crowd, uh, in front of where he played high school, <laughs> a lot of friends and family, because then it was a little loose from there. But, you know, Jacksonville didn't hit a whole lot of... Hard hit didn't have a whole lot of hard hit balls through you know, the first we, seven or eight innings of this game, so it was just a, a really close game. We'd like to see our lineup uh, hit a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I thought the team, uh, you know, when you talk about defense, uh, again, I'm going to be watching. Are you picking up the baseball? It's my biggest bugaboo the last several years. Coupled with uh, poor base running, which has been a problem early in the season, poor base running has been an issue. Uh, but I will, I will say this again. Uh, you, you mentioned Jordan Carry on making his debut. Uh, you know, missed the opening weekend. Uh, to get a chance to see him is good. Offensively, uh, obviously, he got a hit, stole a base, scored a run. Uh, That's good to see. Uh, And then, of course, that moved uh, Trayton Rank over to second base, um, and he had nine assists. And uh, to your point, they were like, well, that's too shy of the record for FSU right. in a game. Yeah,
0: One of the plays was, I mean, uh, a bang-bang played first base where he makes the throw on the other side of second, which is that's impressive, but I, do we need that? And that that's where we'll see. I thought also last night that Alex Terrell was ready to just beat the home plate umpire with his bat because the outside part of the zone, talking about six inches off the plate, was wide open all night for him. It was in his final at-bat that he about lost it. I thought he was going to get run for a half a second, and he cooled down. But um, one at-bat that he had, I think it was the second of the game, where you take... Outer half, outer half, breaking ball, outer half, no swings, three up, three down. I mean, what are we doing? We need to get a little bit better there, a little bit more discipline. (laughs) I know it's a midweek game, but let's go, guys.
1: Well, so what happens with baseball and, you know, you get underway and you're just looking for um, context clues? You know, you can't say the the sample size is so small early in a season. So a guy could start, you know, I mean – in theory, like uh, like Reese Albert, you know, you could you could all of a sudden be seven of you know, you could be batting seven hundred. Are you gonna bat seven hundred? Of course you're not gonna bat seven hundred, but what do you glean from that? Well, good patient at bats, competitive at bats, working the count to your favor. Uh free in his case, coming off of uh the better part of two years worth of injury, uh is the power back, is the is the free swing back, is the shoulder healthy? The answer is yes, looks good. So that's something you can look, that's a context clue. Doesn't We don't know how his year's going to go, we just know he's in a nice position to succeed. Other kids, you're looking at stuff, right? Maybe you have a good outing, maybe you don't. What's your stuff? You got stuff that misses bats? You gonna, know, you know, if you gain your composure, which maybe you don't have early in the year, you're not used to it yet, do you have good enough stuff to get people out? Well, the answer's been a resounding yes for the vast majority of the pitchers we've seen Florida State uh, put on the mound. So, a lot of good signs there. We'll see. I mean, they struck out too much last night. Could have been a guy last night for uh, Jacksonville that just is uh going to have a great year. We'll see. We don't know.
0: One thing about Reese Albert context clue wasn't his hit. It was uh, the earlier bat in his RBI, yeah. the sack fly. That's an emergency hack with two strikes, yeah. runner on third, less yeah. than two outs, that gets out to the outfield and scores a run. If you've got the bat speed to go, oh, let me get it out over the plate and the power to get it out to uh, deep enough into the outfield to score a run, that tells me that the health is there because that's about instinct and strength. Remember... When we were back in Baton Rouge a couple years ago, it was just academic that if anything was at the letters or higher, he wasn't going to catch up to it. It's good to see that emergency instinct bat speed is there, but again, long season, long way to go.
1: So I know that most of you um, probably would never want this to be in a lead, but I I just cannot believe what we're seeing from one of the preeminent sports figures uh, across all platforms, if you will. Uh, and the and the ruination of a reputation and a career all self-inflicted. It is unbelievable what has happened with Phil Mickelson in the last 48 hours, at least if you're talking, Tom, about the public's awareness of a much deeper issue that has been burgeoning under the surface for over a year. And now a lot of this is coming to the forefront, and I will just say this about that And later on in the show. I'm not going to do it here in the lead, but later on in the show... I will say we're just now, and it's hard to believe this. I think scratching the surface, he's got real issues. And when we talk about maybe I don't know, transcendent is too strong a word for Phil, but he is one of the preeminent golfers of the last fifty years. Uh, you know, if if Tiger Woods didn't exist, and he does, but if he didn't. We would be talking a lot more about Phil Mickelson's uh, illustrious career. It is already an amazing career. It is a top twenty career, top ten career in the history of the game. So anybody that falls within that category, top ten basketball player of all time, top ten, you know, uh, maybe it's uh, an agreed upon figure of the top twenty football players, like Jerry Rice. A lot of times would be to- would be said to be the greatest receiver of all time. I always think it's very difficult especially as we cross eras and the style of game and the rules changes and all that. But I think if you pulled anybody that was uh, 18 years old and 80 years old and they all have watched a lot of football and they've done their homework, you'd say Jerry Rice is in that top 20 category. And you, if you do this across all sports, consensus you would find that Willie Mays is a top, one of the top baseball players of all time. Everybody agrees with that. Phil Mickelson falls in the category, and his career is in essence over as we sit here today for what he's done. And it's crazy to have done it to get in bed with a murderous regime for more money. That's insane. It's insane. So if you haven't educated yourself on that story, I'll touch on it later. But his apology rang very hollow, and now he's even in more trouble. And oh, by the way, that, there's a book coming, and there's a lot more information coming down the pike. And it's just not shaping up well for Phil Mickelson.
0: No, it's uh, on a deeper level than this, but for those of you that uh, TLDR with golf, right, don't really care. Okay, well, you've seen Tin Cup, probably. Don Johnson's character, Sims, right? Finally, the world is starting <laughs> to see that Phil is more that guy than uh, Mr. <gasps> Touchy-Feely kind of uh, you know Mickey Mouse type, where it's like, oh, anybody better than Phil? Can people be that nice? Can we just have that, that kind of a nice person that we walk across the street and say hello to? No, that's not who Phil is. It's not who he ever was. He's the guy that you're learning about right now.
1: Well, and I think the harder
0: part here is that, okay, if you had come to
1: me years ago and said, look, that persona, that, ah shucks, thanks so much, folks, for coming out to watch the golf tournament today. I'm so honored to have you here. I play for you, the fans. Thanks for helping pay our salaries. If you had told me that was all fake, I'd have said, fine, okay. I think there are probably a lot of guys like that who smile, shake hands, and you know what? That's okay. That's all right, because I saw it up close and personal. I've been to Sawgrass numerous times and sat there on 17 as he walked and gave little kids golf balls on his way to the green and shook hands with their fathers and said, thanks for coming out. Hope she plays someday on the tour. You know, that kind of a thing. It doesn't matter if that's fake, because to that little girl, it's a lifetime memory, and to that dad, it's the greatest thing that could have happened. What matters is if you're more than surface-level fake, you're a bad person. You're perhaps immoral, unethical, greedy, and worse yet, conniving in a way in which you're seeking to sabotage the very thing that made you ungodly rich. So I, uh, I find that a little bit more unsettling, and that's where this is headed. That's where this is headed, and it's gotten to be kind of alarming in a way that I don't think any of us could have guessed. I could have guessed that he faked the handshakes and the smiles, Tom. I don't know that I would have guessed that he'd betray his countrymen. I mean, it's kind of bizarre uh, to get this far deep in the weeds, if you will.
0: I'll find the line, but but he says something about the fans and and taking the time to interact with fans in the statement. So that's oh, where wow, the Jack that's Cameron where this PR firm's making an appearance. No, but he's bringing the receipt, saying, "See, look at what I've done mm-hmm. with the fans." Oh, sure. So that tells you as it was happening what he was doing. He's like, "Well, this is smart. I'm going to build up equity in case I need it." and it's not enough to save him this time. There's not enough equity in the world to save him reputationally from what's going on right now, but that gives you an insight into his mind that that was the point of handing the golf ball to the little girl and saying, I hope you play someday. Mm. It was about, good, another point for me, another point for me, well done by me. So it's weird to me, um, again, to, to learn more and more about this
1: and to and to have to have this conversation because its it is it, – when you, you know how we've done the Jeff Cambridge Show PR firm in football and basketball and baseball and sports all across uh, the gamut and had fun with it? And usually it's something absurd like the inability to admit a mistake or a fault or uh, a downright transgression. where Like if you're Tiger Woods and you do what he did in that moment, okay, so that's an infidelity. People forgive that, right? Even if it's an over-the-top infidelity like his, and you're like, well, that's that's certainly interesting. Had he come out and not been willing to say, I did those things, I'm sorry. Then we would have been like, oh, from a PR standpoint, that's not it, baby. You're going to have to own this because the goods are here. It's, you know, your texts, we've got them. It's all there. The photos, the women, they've all come out. But he didn't do that. And you could have thought it was clunky, and it was. And there were a lot of factors to that. This is worse yet. This is way worse yet. There's a manipulation here that seeks to sabotage the entirety of the tour that it, and, and for his personal gain.
0: Well, what he's doing is what Aaron Rodgers does that turns everybody off. You know, Because Aaron Rodgers, I mean, these oh, guys the martyr, are all, I mean, is it him, Ryan Braun, and Phil Mickelson going out and golfing on the weekends and saying, we're so much smarter than everybody else? Right. Wait the, till you see these mm-hmm. idiots eat up a statement I'm about to release, because they all do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's funny, you bring up the NFL right now. It's an interesting time. We're getting close to where we start talking about combines and drafts and everything else. Why is there, and, and I get the uh, obsession with the elite level quarterback play, because the game centers around the quarterback now more than it ever has. It was always a quarterback-driven league, but it's over the top now because of the rules changes. ESPN it, uh, spends uh, 12 hours of the of their of their I, I guess content driven uh daytime television stuff like from the time you leave in the morning to go to work and do your job to the time you get home. That whole block in the middle, if you can stomach it, if you ever have a day off and you're flipping around and it's on in the, in the background white noise, whatever that might be. They spend the vast majority of that time arguing about where aaron Rodgers is going to play or if or not he is going to play and i find that bizarre
0: oddly enough i think that's brilliant um get up has clearly decided that they're not going to be a recap show of the night before you can go find SportsCenter center for that and right. so therefore it's going to be the quarterback show we're going to talk about quarterbacks and then first take at, after at is going to talk about nba drama and legacies of kd or lebron no. <laughs> or whoever yeah. so these are our four hours we got two hours of quarterback talk and we got two, two hours, hours of nba nba legacy talk yeah and that's what we're going to have for you every day But I find myself engaging in that conversation for quarterbacks because we are in a rare place in NFL offseason lore Mm -hmm. where the last two years, and now this year also, you have a quarterback carousel with players who were at or near their prime consistently. That didn't happen for a long time. It was once their rookie deal is over, how much are they going to sign for? They're going to break records. They're entrenched where they are. Brady didn't go anywhere for 20 years. Breeze for 15. Roethlisberger, Rodgers, they were all entrenched where they were. Brett Favre did a long time ago like whatever that was, oh seven, oh eight, somewhere in there. But there hasn't been this type of consistent churning in the offseason of big names going different places. Well, I
1: find that fascinating, and it's good, I think, in a way, if you're just talking about entertainment value for the league, and it's another way that they stay on the tip of your tongue year-round. And they've been very good at engineering that and making sure they supply Uh, storylines like that and and i think oftentimes they do in fact supply those storylines but i think in regards to specifically aaron Rodgers, it's nauseating because will he or will he not play is sort of the who cares like he plays plays how many times are you gonna go over that
0: well the conclusion of the segment is and of course his deadline is march 4th or whatever it is (laughs) that's a league deadline so i mean these decisions are being made right now as we speak (laughs) They're like, not really. Yeah, it's the 23rd. They're, they're not yeah, really being right, made man. right yeah. now. Yeah. They're being <laughs> pondered, yeah. maybe. Maybe. But not every day at this time.
1: Crazy. Jeff Cameron, Show 93 33 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Sticks. Sticks. Sail away, sail away with the Legacy Continues. J.Y., Tommy, Chuck, Todd, Lawrence, Ricky, and Will. Sticks. February 22nd, 2022. Donald L. Tucker, Civic Center. You gave, you had it made, three, four, five, Sticks. One hit song after another. Tickets on sale now at Tucker Civic dot com. Don't miss sticks live. So of the I know you guys talked about this. targeting back to what I led the show with, what we have going here, uh, position previews wise for the upcoming spring practices. Um, when you when you go through and look at a group that loses, obviously very very talented and at times dominant players like Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas from a year ago, it's daunting. It really is. Um, but you also think about how amazing it is, at least in terms of either persuasion, evaluation. uh, You think about how amazing it is that those guys transferred in, that those guys came in in 2021, that this was not a group that uh, you brought in that arrived on campus because you had a chance to talk to them in high school and groom that relationship or anything like that. It's that you won them over in in a transfer market now, which tends to take up, more space on your roster in terms of personnel than ever before. We know that. And in this case for Florida State, it's been a necessity. And now, though, you turn and look to guys that were guys that were brought here uh, as recruits and 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 have had time to build within the culture. And I really have a lot of high hopes for a Derek McClendon or a Kayshaun Fuller and guys like that, right? I mean, I, I do have hopes that those kinds of guys uh, will have a chance— to to play at a high level, to go along with a transfer like Jared Verse, whom we alluded to at the outset. Um, I mean, that was a guy that everybody wanted to bring in from the transfer portal, and we won his services. So I don't know that he can be, it would be probably too much to ask. Hopefully he proves me wrong. It would certainly be too much to ask that Jared Verse be Jermaine Johnson. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but would need to be a plus player. That's for sure right off the bat.
0: And the question is with Dennis Briggs, who has a bigger body. Yeah, Yeah, coming off of injury, and he was playing interior, but originally he was thought to be an edge player. Can he be a plug-and-play in Keir Thomas' role? Because he has the weight to do it. Mm. But it's just those raw numbers. The raw numbers of what those two produced last year are absurd. Top 10 national in several categories. 18 and a half sacks, 30 tackles for loss. You ready for this number? 112 tackles. (laughs) Yeah. For two ends. 112 tackles. That is insane. There's no way you're going to duplicate that with just two people. It's going to need to be strength in numbers.
1: Yeah, you're right. You know, we talk about verse, but Briggs Jr. and of course McClendon and Fuller. And yeah, you know, I mean, they, they, they're going to need a lot of guys to. A, improve immensely, and I think there's real chance. Briggs just has to show that he's fresh off that injury and fully strong, healthy and back to his full strength because uh, he's a real good football player and you could see that. That's why I got so angry not just because I thought it was a cheap shot, which it was, and I'll circle Louisville for when we go play not not advocating anything, just saying um, but, but and it was a really cheap shot uh, but he was emerging when he got hurt and I just hope that that does not slow the progress of a kid who I think was going to be a real impact player. Uh, and I know they think that too. So it, it'll be interesting to find out if he can fill that role. Um, again, You you just looking at sheer numbers, uh, it's going to be problematic, Tom, trying to get anything close to that kind of production. Now you're hoping that it's offset. Now if they just play well, okay, maybe they don't reach those numbers, but they just play well, you're hoping that with a far more – productive group in particular a individual who was exactly that at linebacker then maybe maybe you you kind of you're finding areas where you can say okay so you're going to be less however many tackles on the season between these two is it made up for with this guy who was uber productive at UCF do we get something more out of a guy who was emerging a year ago and contributed but then steps up he's that much stronger, that much bigger, that much more experienced, and now he's able to maybe exceed your expectation by five to seven tackles. It's it's here and there where you're adding up the missing numbers from the production of two elite players from you uh, for you a year ago.
0: Well, and if you look at that linebacking, core, and I see the note in the chat that did happen, uh, Florida State announced academic uh, honorees, and Brendan Gant apparently has been changed to a linebacker. His position switched, so he's moving up into the box. You're going to have another option there that's athletic. But if you have, and let's just say you like Deloach and uh, Tatum Bethune as your two linebackers, well, we return to this age-old question about Amari Gaynor. On a third and obvious situation, now Amari is a weapon that you can deploy, and he doesn't have to play a traditional linebacker position. So let's say that Dennis Briggs is somebody you like in in neutral downs who can help you yeah, stop the run yeah, and set yeah. the edge. Well, either he can come off the field or shift to the middle and play interior like he did last year. You slot in Amari Gaynor on one side and Verse on the other. The interesting thing is this is not going to be a settled matter even through fall camp because if you look at the roster distribution, there are two dedicated defensive ends on Florida State's roster right now. It's McClendon and Mm -hmm. Leonard Warner, who is 85 years old and still here. You're in the teens with defensive linemen, positionless defensive linemen, and then you've got five dedicated defensive tackles. They're going to be moving a ton of bodies around to find what packages they like in certain down and distances.
1: And they like really, really athletic guys. Uh, along the defensive front as opposed to sheer mass. They want active um, positionless guys that can move around, that can shift inside, but also play outside depending down distance, those kinds of things. That's what they're looking to do. I don't always love that approach. Um, uh, But if you have, if you can build those guys and you can identify those guys who are that kind of versatile, then fine because that's a headache to deal with. That it really is uh, for opposing offensive lines. If you can do it, I think it's hard. I mean, I some of the plug and play, uh, I think, realities of a three hundred and thirty pound guy who stays low and plays with leverage. I'm, you know, I know what you are. You're zero. That's good. I'm put you right there, and we'll take care of business. I tend to lean in that direction. Um, if he gives you anything more than that, that's great. It's hard to find a lot of VFA's out there, but uh, so the point is. Typically, that's the way I'd like to build it, but when you're FSU and you haven't had access to the upper echelon defensive linemen around the country because you've been out-recruited, because your program isn't where it ought to be, it's not operating at peak efficiency, as we like to say. you got to find a better way to do it. you got to find a better way to do it. And if molding guys to, to be that kind of versatile is the way you got to do it, then so be it. And I'm not going to say they can't. I'm not going to say that. Now, they'll be problems with that when you face some of the bigger offensive lines with veteran leadership up front that can run downhill, but uh, not everybody's that way, and you're just trying to get to 8-9 wins, so maybe, maybe it works. Um, it's a it's a big question mark. Um, I, I am fascinated to find out what they do with some of these players that are tweeners, and you, know, you brought up Amari Gaynor, and I'm rooting for that young man because I think he cares deeply. I've had the chance to talk to him before. I'm not saying we're friends, but I've had a chance to talk to him, and God, you stand next to him, and and you think, you look the part. You ought to be a really uh, a game-changing player. He really hasn't been um, a game-changing player. Hasn't been a bad player. Hasn't been a bad player. Just hasn't been a difference maker for this football team. Is this a year where he's a little bit tougher, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, and you're able to get a little bit more out of him in a very specific role? I don't know that he needs to be mr. versatility I'd, I'd like him to zero in on a thing
0: i think the best news for us is that the defensive interior returns to starters that we thought potentially were both going to be gone because well, there's, there's a lot pitch. of instability around it there's a lot of instability around it and how you want to build it but if you've got that middle of the field close to the football all taken care of at least if health is on your side and these guys don't regress we once counted on marvin wilson to finish the job when he came back for next year but if these guys live up to those expectations then at least you have that settled and you can mix and match as you go. Because if it was that those two guys, a situation in which those two guys left, if it was a different, then we would, be <laughs> in, nice use. we would be in real trouble right now because this is a mess. I don't even know you're starting for.
1: Well, I actually thought we were going to be in that very predictive predicament, Tom, and late in the year as we were watching the games play out, I remember thinking at one point, well, damn it, man, how unlucky are you? And thinking about Coach Norvell, I'm like, you you, you found a way to put a salve on the wound. You correctly identified two guys that could change your fortune up front and convince them to come to Florida State. And he's been very good at that when it comes to transfer portal, transfer portal guys. But those guys are leaving, and now, and at the time, I thought so were the others. And I thought, okay, your offense is probably going to be appreciably better with what you're bringing in at wide receiver. What you have on the offensive line, finally, which is not just – a group that I think can rate as average or maybe even slightly above average next year, but one that has a couple of guys behind the starters that have the versatility to plug and play, and you won't see a precipitous drop-off when somebody's out with injury the way you have the last several years, handful of years. So all of a sudden you got better depth on the offensive line. You have real experience, at least – for your starting quarterback, you bring in, in the transfer portal, more dynamic and experienced wide receivers. At least one guy has proven it at the power five level. Um, And I thought, okay, so, all right, another year in the system, another guy. Listen, Cam McDonald comes back, he's whatever, but he is certainly experienced. He's your most productive tight end. they you got to get something out of Jackson West next year. I know they have 47 tight ends and none of them can play, but, Maybe Jackson West takes a step forward. Um can one of you be a fullback at can least. One of you not suck. But the the bottom line is um you know you can get a better offense in play right at the time that your defense is gonna fall off a cliff and it wasn't great to begin with because they spent half the season being terrible. So then we got the good news that a couple guys said, I'm coming back. And I went, oh, all right. That's a little bit more productivity that is coming back and said yes to returning than I thought we were going to have, which may help mitigate the drop-off. They're going to drop off. I do not think this defense is going to be as good as it was in the second half of the season this past year. just don't think it will be. But because you can't lose Keira Thomas and Jermaine Johnson and be better. You can't. You can't. Not unless you brought in somebody who is, uh, you know.
0: Now that's interesting. Can you be at the same level, though? No, I don't think so. You they, don't were, think
1: so? they were so good, Tom. You just got done talking about the numbers. The numbers they're absurd. over the top. They're not, they disrupted games. They're the reason that we had opportunities to win some of the games against teams that otherwise outmatched us and certainly had a greater depth of talent than us. Those two guys in particular, Jermaine, uh, at times single handedly. Uh, Extinguished drives for teams Because of how disruptive he was If you do not have that sort of dynamicism Coming into this season No, you're not going to be better defensively Than you were a year ago
0: Well, I I could see that as an obvious place to to go But if you believe that you're going to be better At outside corner because you're going to replace One of those guys with Amarian And maybe both of them with Amarian and Knowles And and you do something in the slot Either move Brownlee or Jerrion Jones there and, And you play around with the safeties group I think you're better at corner and safety automatically right then Linebacker, you're better because you've got to play
1: one guy, but yes, but he is we a... only
0: play two of them at, at a time. Yeah, let's knock on wood, man. I don't right. think
1: we have any real depth there, but okay,
0: right? Well, yes, agreed. But I think, you know, with Gaynor playing traditional linebacker, he was tackling better at the end of the year. So now, he, if you're asking was, him not to was. be out there all the damn time, that's probably better. Mm-hmm. Interior, you should be the same or better because you have the same guys returning, and then there should be development behind them. So you should be deeper at defensive interior. So if you're better in all those positions and you're trying to net out what are your gains and losses, it's massive loss at defensive end, I, I grant massive. you. Massive. But if you get one answer there, you don't need both of them to elevate to the level of Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas, but if you get one answer there, are you net better because of the depth you've created and the overall ability in the secondary? Those
1: so other guys aren't difference makers, though, and we are rid of two real difference makers, guys that are game-changing Impact having players; I, those are hard to find, and we've been we've had such a dearth of those players for for too long now. Um, and it has to do with you know being down and missing on recruiting and all those things. But you know, I, I just think if you talk about guys that change games, you know, great offensive players, a guy like Dalvin Cook can really make up for an awful lot of what's missing. On your offensive line at quarterback, at wide receiver, just by being that kind of difference maker, setting up runs, making guys miss in a phone booth, breakaway speed, changes the scoreboard, right? Like you're not good, but let's just say by using that example, you improved your offensive line, added a tight end, but lost Dalvin Cook. Would you be better? No. He's that Jermaine Johnson was that good last year. He was that good. We may be better. And I think you're right about those positions. But do we
0: have a difference maker? Do we have a guy that changes the game? What it forces you to do is bring an extra player. You bring an extra rusher. you got to blitz. you got to get a little bit more creative in those situations. And then you've got to be able to hold up on the back end. So the question is, can we hold up on the back end if we bring a fifth or sixth guy?
1: Well, and also, how creative are you with what you bring when you bring pressure? We've been really predictable. We haven't gotten home. That's a bugaboo that dates back before Fuller. So that anchors me at a lot of levels because we announce to the world front sometimes that we're coming, but there's no real chance we're going to get there, and now it is really easy
0: to throw from whence you came, and we get burned on that a lot. It's a lot of pressure on Verse to deliver right away, hey. and he's got three years of eligibility. People are going to be pissed at him if he doesn't produce at the end of September. It's like, whoa, he's actually a developmental product uh, <laughs> project here well. that has ability— it's not the same thing as a grad transfer who is looking for one last ride before cashing in at the NFL. These are two different scenarios.
1: The good news for us, though, is there is no shortage of work ethic and focus. So to me, and we, we're hoping to talk to Jared first this week, but, but, but for me, and I know we got to get a break, if you've got a kid who is talented but also thirsty is a kid that desperately wants to be coached hard be made better and is willing to commit to the kind of sacrifice both mentally and physically that has to be made to get to that elite level like and he's talked about it so i'm not you know i'm not just spitting out clichés he's referenced those things so clearly the focus is there and the want to is there and the effort's going to be there so you know you got to hope that if he's middling this year doesn't help you for this season as long as he's not bad um you know, it doesn't change the game, I should say, for this season. As long as he's not terrible and you know the work ethics there and you see the growth throughout the course of the season, okay, all right, you'll live with that, you'll live with that. But you're right, most people will be like, this isn't this. What a, good luck replacing Jermaine Johnson yeah. is my point. Yeah, you, don't, you, don't you, yeah.
0: wire your brain that way or else you're just going to be so pissed at what he is and that's not fair. <laughs> not Jeff, at all.
1: Jeff Kemper, Show 93 3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Cameron okay, Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Thanks, Marcus. Appreciate you, baby. For those that don't know in the chat, Marcus contributed to our efforts at WarChant.com, the Jeff Cameron Show on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV by saying, Hey, go to Ols and wish you gentlemen in the studio a wonderful day. Well, I wish you a wonderful day, too, Marcus. Woo! Hope you're having a great one. We've been fortunate. You know, Tom, the one thing about having your blood thin as you get old live in the South and all of a sudden what's cold to you now isn't 25 but 40 is the fact that uh, the reverse is true, too, man. Used to be anything over 72 was hot. Now 80 is comfy. I yeah. like 80. I'm fine with 80.
0: That's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, because you get over 70. I mean, if it's 74, remember old Channel 17? and It would just be there. Yeah, You'd yeah. have it on in your old studio. Yeah. You'd want to punch a certain part of your anatomy. Oh, I'd That's get what angry.
1: I'd get angry. Anything over ridiculous. 70, anything over 75. It's February. Yeah. Well, that, that still does bother me. I mean, like, I'm okay wrapping my mind around the idea that it's supposed to be cold in wintertime. That's all right. I get it. It's kind of important for lots of reasons. But as somebody who does like to swing a golf club every now and again, if you want to give me 81-78 on a, uh, in a sunny, breezy, not too breezy. Wednesday afternoon in February. All right then. Yeah. All right then.
0: I suppose I'll be redundant with the uh, weather reports we have in the break, but it's 83 today, tomorrow 84 Friday, no, 81 okay. Saturday. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Yeah, Monday
0: 68 though. A little di- a little dip down on Monday.
1: Good. Good. 78 fine. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was 68. You okay with that? Oh, I'm
1: good. Yeah, real good with 68. Yeah. I'm good, man. We're all right. Don't you worry about it. Uh, go see my friends if you need a new roof. T-Spark Construction, Roofing and Construction, they're the best in the business. There are a lot of ways they can help you. Uh, I've mentioned that before. I talk about what they provide, which is uh, honest, hard work. They've got a plan in place. These guys know what they're doing. They come out. They talk you through it. You're not confused. you got a good feel for uh, who they are and what they're going to provide for you. Um, and, look, you don't want to have to replace your roof. I had to replace my roof. T-Spark did it. Um, it sucks. It's part of uh, you know home ownership. What are you gonna do? Got to replace your roof every now and again, just like your air conditioning. With our friends at Barano Heating and Air Conditioning, it sucks. Hey man, got to change out my hair. Not happy, but if you got to do it, you want trustworthy people who are gonna come there and talk to you about it, give you an honest price, honest day's work, get it done efficiently. T Spark Roofing and Construction do exactly that. And uh, I would encourage you to look them up or give them a call today seven six six one three four zero.
0: Is it normal to, um, as a homeowner, hear mm. you talk about that and replacing certain things all that, the damn time, and, and not want to bring it up because you just don't want to speak it into being? <laughs> Is that a normal thing?
1: Well, I do that with a lot of things, right? Don't don't speak it into being. Don't don't put it out there into the ether. Don't let the the world know that you're worried about it. But uh, I will tell you, I tell you that. Um, if you are a homeowner that just goes with it you just have to accept the fact that this is part of it like the other part of it that's good for you is over time equity builds and you make money on your home sale eventually eventually if you do it right
0: after that old compound interest no big deal
1: you know i got a lot of work to, i gotta do in my house we should move on from the
0: subject i'm bringing you down huh
1: I just well, it's because it never ends. You just think to yourself, well, "I want to. listen." It's a little bit like being a fan of a team of a sport, whatever. You know, you win and you want to win more, and then you want to win more, and then ultimately you win the whole thing. But then what? You got to sustain it. Got to sustain that level of greatness. We can't go back down there. I've seen what it's like up here. I don't want to go all the way back down there. That that uh, that five and seven ain't where it's at, man. I like this thirteen and zero is what I like.
0: Funny thing is, as a uh, fan as you are of a back to back reigning Stanley Cup champions in hockey, reigning. Back-to-back. The thing I enjoy the most is when they go to the highlight shows or whatever, and uh, it's NHL Tonight Mm -hmm. on NHL Network. Mm -hmm. It's a channel I have frequently on my television. Correct, yes. And at the end, they have to show who the champion is before they go to the studio and they show the lightning holding the cup. Like, that's the thing. It's the little things like that that really make winning a championship worthwhile. It's not necessarily racking up 124 points in a regular season, it is, when I turn on the TV, there are my guys holding the cup, and I cup. get everybody and else around the country and Canada going, damn it, Tampa mm-hmm. again? That's the oh, best part. Those poor bastards in Canada, how long have they been
1: angry? Since 1993. Thank you. <laughs> and it, it ain't just at us. It's the hockey world that they're angry at. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I this past season in the NFL was a lot of fun, because it's not just that you go through the season that was a lot of fun preceding it where you have expectations and there's real drama on the line and what's going to happen and then you come through and win a championship it's that you reap the rewards of that year into the next year for the entirety of that year because no matter on a given weekend whether you win 37 to 7 or drop one twenty-one twenty, 20 you are still the reigning super bowl champions and we'll have that discussion again next week that is fun. Now, of course, that is no longer the case. As the Rams are your reigning Super Bowl champion, and they get to enjoy that, all seven of their fans. So there it is, right? But, but what is also fun about being a champion, and God, we need Florida State to get back to that talking point, or at least to be in the conversation, is that what then happens is, all right, now we're no longer that. What do we have to do to get that? And or sustain this, and for Florida State, this climb has taken too long. But it is what has had to happen. There's no getting around that reality. And what we're doing on a daily basis, and every Florida State fan does, probably, if you're a diehard, at least once a day in your mind, whether that's a drive to the store, a honey to-do list that uh, hey, I got to run up there to the uh, parts store and get this thing for the sink, whatever it might be, you think it, you think it, because you have time. You got time. You're at the stop. It's four-way stop. What am I gonna do? That guy's got to go. It's his turn. Now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking. And when I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you know, Oh, if Jordan Travis gets hurt, we're going to lose nine games. That's where your head goes. You start rat-trapping immediately. Thanks. I hadn't thought of that yet. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply we have a wildly inconsistent board that tom has to press the buttons on
0: it's not necessarily the board, it's just the uh, the connection to Spotify. I want to call it Oliver Perez. Can I call it Oliver Perez? Oliver, who pitched for my Pirates and your Mets. Yeah, he pitched for the Mets in Game 7 16 years ago now. Mm. And he's still pitching. Still in the league.
1: He was a frontline starter for the Pirates prior to pitching for you uh, with the New York Mets. He was a frontline starter that had immense gifts that was said to be a dominant one-starter for years to come. Mm.
0: Well, that never happened. No. Do you remember a
1: very specific reliever?
0: Do you remember who we shipped to you? Oh man, it's a tough name. No, Xavier Nady.
1: Oh, sorry ass Xavier Nady had Mm -hmm. well about a season and a half of real good Xavier Nady.
0: We had he was good for us. We had to give him up because our our reliever got in a crash in a cab in Miami.
1: Xavier Nady had two seasons really that were absolutely fantastic for us, and I remember thinking, "Oh, we have fleeced the Mets." (laughs)
0: <laughs> nobody's ever thought that before uh, but alas, not Bernie Madoff or the Rays
1: yeah but we did not fleece the Mets uh, didn't take, oh, by the way that was a great baseball name Xavier Nadey's a great a baseball name. name really you know an underrated baseball name you can tell I'm longing for them to get it right in Major League Baseball so soon we have that to add to the many things to talk about but also because I love the sport I find myself watching replays of old games on the MLB network lately in the mornings that's problematic. You really it, have an it's issue. It's kind of tough. It's a weird thing to do. But I get in. I get. I sit down. I get into it. I sip my coffee. You've got a ton I'm of like, yeah, Look at that. Look at this. this. I remember him. He was a good player.
0: you got a ton of FSU baseball now, though. I mean, you're loaded up.
1: Well, and I just think it's going to be fascinating with FSU baseball because they're going to have days like they had yesterday where they strike out too much. Was it 14 times, I think, yesterday? But I don't know that. We're going to derive from that game, just like we're not from that three-game series, to say that that's what the offense is. I think right now the only consistent thing that we have seen for Florida State baseball through four games that we could really celebrate is that they've pitched well in every one of them. They've pitched well in every one of them. Our number two, fourth cubby, Stay with